And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Seth Partnow from Nerdist She Wrote. Every day during the playoffs, I'm doing a live running diary of statistical insights before, during, after every game. Come check it out on the NBA front page only at The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we break down all of the very interesting playoff series, and we ignore the ones that aren't. This is Nerdish You Wrote, with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. It's Friday. It's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave. Seth and Mo, what's up, guys? Are y'all exhausted yet? Um, feels like uh, got a lot happening this week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I've watched some. I, I don't normally like to watch the next morning. I've definitely done some next morning watching of of some of the West Coast games. I've gone back to my video coordinator roots, man, and it's made me. It reminded me of one thing. <laughs> I'm not cut out for that life no more. That's a young man's game. I'm too old. <laughs> I rewatched uh, Clippers Mavs the next morning because I, I was trying to figure out why the Clippers aren't playing defense. Uh, not if, because they aren't, but uh, why they aren't. And I can't figure it out. And that was exhausting. So, uh, yeah, the, the basketball has been pretty good so far. What do you guys think? I mean, you know, after a condensed season, I was worried guys might start getting tired. But I think it looks like everybody – that's healthy is pretty well rested. It's good basketball. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I don't, I, I, let me rephrase that. It may not necessarily be good, but like, it's not always <laughs> pretty, but it's competitive. And that's really what we want. And this, for the most part, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, that first weekend was nuts. Um, all right, well, let's jump right in, uh, breaking down what we've seen so far in the, in these series, uh, reminder, we record on Thursday afternoon. So, uh, this comes out Friday morning, so we're not going to see the Thursday night games. We're, we're going based on two games. So if something completely opposite happens, it's because they got an early preview of this show and they made the changes accordingly. I mean, you know, the guys in the NBA are pretty smart, so they're listening to us. Uh, Knicks, Hawks, we got to start there. First of all, the MSG crowd it was just huge, I thought, in game two. Really helped to get the Knicks defense back on track in that third quarter. What have you guys thought about Knicks Hawks so far? It's about as close as we expected. I think Hawks are better. They are yeah. better. Um, yes. I think like my, my main thought is that, uh, Mo, I think you can agree with this. Everyone in the Hawks organization has to be absolutely sick today. Cause you know, you had that game one, like, uh, like during the, at halftime, I was like, Hey, the Hawks should be up 25. 
And the whole third quarter, it's like, hey, anytime the Hawks want to put this away, it's there to be put away. Not the whole third quarter, like about halfway through the third quarter. And then there was a play where all of a sudden Julius Randle, who they'd been forcing left the whole game, crossed over and got to his right hand and they made something happen. And it was just from there, all of a sudden, New York got like layup 3-3 and suddenly it's a two-point game. And it, would, it, it, it flipped like that. It, and you're right. It, it it really did flip all of a sudden. And it started with Randall getting a, a loose ball three. Derrick Rose got an offensive rebound, kicked it out to Randall. Randall had struggled all game. And just all of a sudden, from there, and you're right, everything switched from there. Their defense in the second half, though, was pretty impressive. I thought they did a good job stunting on uh, – Trey Young's drives off the pick and rolls from the weak side and then getting back out. And it, it, this is the thing about that weak side help. It doesn't have to be perfect. just has to be enough to make Trey Young slow down half a beat to allow the defenders to catch up. And that's kind of what happened. And I thought, I thought the Knicks' defense was really impressive. There's no question the Hawks are the more talented team and have the, the, the better roster and, and, and things like that and can go – deeper and, and, and push it but it was really interesting to see that stuff switch and for me I'm kind of curious to see if that carries over to game three in that sense because you like to talk about it you know the big mo ended up sw- switching to the Knicks side and if they can maintain that that's going to be the big thing on the road I think the hardest part for them, though, is the, the fact that they can't score. Like the, the lack of offense is the killer. They're able to reach down. I and mean, we saw them reach down and figure out the defense, which I thought was going to be there from the jump. I, I figured you get all this time to prepare for Atlanta and Tibbs is going to be ready. I, I thought it was going to be much more of a rock fight. And then they turned it into one in the third. I thought they got more physical. Uh, they had more energy. But the Hawks also just missed a ton of of good looks down the stretch in that game. And so there's a little bit of luck for the Knicks too. I'd, I'd say the Hawks, they, like, they missed once New York kind of, I don't want to say put the game away, but once New York was in control of the game, the Hawks had looks to kind of make it close again. I think for the relevant portion of kind of their big run, some of it was their defense. Some of it was sort of the inexplicable decision to not bring Trey back a little early yeah. because like Lou Williams and, and Gallo were awful in, in that game. And that, that contributed uh, a fair amount. Um, but even when, even when Trey was back in the game, like there were some, some things they did differently. I thought in particular, Reggie Bullock did a much better job of making Trey work to use ball screens than anyone else had all series. And we saw in game one where, where Trey was just coming off that drag screen and kind of traipsing down the lane and firing passes to the corner, throwing floaters, throwing lobs, stepping back and shooting threes. He actually had to work, and that slowed everything down. Yeah, he. I mean, he went in and un, untouched in that stuff. And and the thing I think about why Trey Young, why Nate McMillan was so slow to put Trey Young back in, I think he was just a prisoner of what he saw in game one. In that instance, when Lou Williams had that big run at the end of the third quarter, I think he was hoping to see that kind of pick back up in that instance. And I, I, that's kind of a, a, a coach's problem in that sense. As a coach saw it last time, so they feel like they can, they're, they're going to be able to get it again, and they're not looking at what's happening now. And I think you, you're 100% right. Like Young needed to come in much earlier at that point because once the Knicks got it rolling, it was an avalanche. 
Let me ask you guys, uh, the young Bogdanovich pairing, I mean, they're fantastic together, right? Very complimentary. Do you feel like Nate should consider more of a stagger? I think in that third, in particular, when the Knicks started to come back, Atlanta couldn't really get anything going. Both of those guys were on the bench. I wonder if that might be the adjustment we see in game three, where maybe it's Lou Will and and Bogdan, or you know what I mean? You probably can't do Lou Will and Trey Young. But maybe you can do Bogdan and and, and Trey Young, and you know I, I wonder if that might be the one little change they can make, just so you have that consistent playmaker out there. I think I think that's right. Um, I think uh, uh, Dunk Don was was talking about this the other day too. Is that would be a good time to get John Collins something going? Um, he's he yeah. has been pretty invisible this series and. Like he kind of figured to be one of the one of the real advantages Atlanta had in this series, and 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 somewhat f- his fault, somewhat foul trouble, somewhat they just haven't looked for him at all. He hasn't really like joined us yet, so I think that those second units would be would be a really good time to to get something going for John Collins. Yeah, I think that's kind of I, that's how I think I would look at it a little bit is is give him the 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 time to run in that instance. I think dunked on those guys are correct in that sense of like, get him running, get him opportunities and touches there and, and stuff. Cause it does seem like he's a little bit squeezed out when it's him on the floor with Lou Williams. I mean, excuse me, with the uh, Dre young and Bogdanovich, not enough touches there for him in that instance. So if you can get him going there and then, yeah, I, I don't think that's something that's out of the window or out of the possibilities, Dave of, of bringing in Bogdanovich to have him cook with, with Lou Williams in that sense, you don't lose a lot defensively in that run. I think you're ready to, to push in that stuff. So I think that's something that uh, I think Nate's going to have to look at it. I'm not hundred percent sure he does it, but I think that's something that he, sure. has to, he has to be on the mind. You know, coaches sometimes, I think they, they're reticent to break up a good pairing. I can understand it completely. I mean, they they do work really well together. And, and I mean, they were both plus five for the game. I mean, th- they didn't lose the minutes with those two guys out there. But I think you have to think bigger picture. Also, 35 minutes for those two in a in a close game. I'm guessing we're going to see more in game two if it if it's as close late as it was. You know, talking about minutes and and coaching decisions and switching you lineups. Flashbacks. Up. Uh, well, uh, less said about I've that. Yeah, it did have many. Mc, like uh, Nate McMillan's comments did ring a bell for me, unfortunately. But um, it was more uh, okay. Tibbs finally did the thing that everyone has known they, that they need to do, and just excised Alfred Payton from the rotation. Um, I would be very surprised if he started Game Three. The question there is, how does he manage that rotation? Like he, like once he kind of decided that that Peyton wasn't playing anymore, it was Derrick Rose till you drop. And yeah, I dare. I don't think Derrick he Ro- had three guys. Yeah. <laughs> he had three guys come off the bench and play more than thirty minutes in in game two. Derrick Rose played thirty nine minutes in that game. I, I think you got to start quickly. Actually, I don't. I wouldn't want to mess up what they have going because. I think part of this is Derrick Rose comes in and he gets to to get going against second units a lot. And that seems to get him going late in game. I mean, he was awesome. He's been their only consistent source of offense 
So he's going to have to play, and he's going to be playing forty, I think, the rest of the way, right? So this is this is you know this is sort of the problem that that I think people have always had with Tibbs a little bit, and it's not it's not just that he like plays guys huge minutes, but it's it's almost like there was no sort of thought pattern to okay, I need forty from Derrick Rose tonight. And it was just at one point. At one point, I was watching the MSG uh, version of the game. And at one point, Mike Green was like, "Derek Rose has played 31 consecutive game minutes," and it's like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough." Yeah, and, and for a guy <laughs> yeah, who's had a you know, brutal. you're gonna work. He yeah. looked good. <laughs> he, he did, but like he just just like you 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 you. It feels like you planned that. Okay, oh wow, he's tired. Need to get him out. It's like okay. He's going to be tired in four minutes, so why don't I get him out now? And then you get him back in in six minutes, and it doesn't seem like that. It's it's like, oh, ride him till he dies, and then you ready yet? Go back in, and that I don't think that's sustainable for five. Oh, five no, no, it's, it's ride him, ride oh, him no, till he not. dies, and then keep riding him is the philosophy. <laughs> it's not it's not the uh, oh he's dead. It's okay. He's got some more in him. It's along those lines, but. I want to go back a little bit to Dave with with quickly. I don't think you start quickly. I honestly, I I, I do think you start Peyton. Just stay with it at the beginning oh. of the game. Relax. <laughs> For what? You're just giving up those minutes. Just relax. I don't think quickly has been that amazing. Just play four in, on five. In, in be no, but I think like you. The thing is, you can have him pressure up earlier. Have him wear out. Young in the backcourt. I don't care if he picks up a, a, a foul or two early, right? Have him have him play full court defense for the first few possessions, and 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 kind of see if you can get Young a little tired and stuff like that. When you saw the Knicks' defense to start the game, you know they had really high pickup points, and I think you can do that without having to worry about wearing out some of your other guys that you're going to play 31 consecutive sure. minutes, or you're going to put lean on. So. Giving him five minutes in the first quarter, you know, to, to, hey, just be a bulldog, run, you know, go, go nuts. And in, in that sense, I, I, I don't think I'm totally uh, against that. I, I wouldn't Nilakina be a better option for that. Only on the very last possession of a game that he okay. barely has okay. played, <laughs> um, would, would, would I throw him in, in a clutch possession? That's the only time. Shout out to, by the way, shout out to Kelly Dwyer. Who literally in his Substack called that almost to the second, 40, 47 minutes and forty two seconds he called in his Substack preview of the game. It was uh, it was pretty 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 good Tibbs knowledge so, there. I, I know we want to move on from this game, but I the the, the problem with, yeah. the problem with Peyton is not like he he has been no worse defensively on Trey than the other two guards. Like the guy who's guarded him well right. has been has been Bullock. Um, and actually, Julius Randle guarded him pretty well on a couple switches yesterday yeah, too. Yeah, but, yeah, great job. Um, but they scored twenty points in the first quarter, and it sort of felt like they were lucky to get to twenty. And okay, he only played the first five of those, but their offense was in the mud, and their offense started in the mud and never got untracked. Yeah, and but their Peyton, offense never is good. No, but okay, it's never good, but it's not like you know, especially at the start of games. I wonder why yeah. that is. No, I, I. I <laughs> I, I get it, guys, but I just think you you're you're able to you want to at least save that Reggie Bullock minutes. You want to save those things for him. You don't want Reggie Bullock to start out on Trey Young and pick up a quick I agree foul. With that. You don't want him to to uh, you know to have two and then have to sit. And I know how much you guys hate that part because the the whole the, the whole debating thing there. But it's like you just don't want <laughs> you don't want to do that. You're putting out a guy 
who's like, okay, I get the problems offensively, but also if Julius Randle is back to normal Julius Randle, it's not going to hurt you as much. If if you're you're putting out a guy who's basically a sacrificial lamb, you know, just just go at him, go hard. If you pick go up, wear yourself if you pick out, up three and hopefully you wear in out the first Trae five Young. minutes, it's going to suck in terms of getting them in the penalty earlier. But if you're tiring Trey Young out a little bit and getting into those legs, I'm good. Pick it. I want to pick him up full court. Now, if you're just going to have him sit there and meet him at the three point line, all right, maybe we're not doing this. No, right. This is like, good. I feel like we're talking no, to no, Tom Thibodeau right, right now. now. Like he's basically channeling because him. <laughs> we're getting coached. Well, no, now. because the the <laughs> Knicks fans are going to get out of my mentions and into Mo's mentions now. <laughs> They've been in my mentions, dude. They I went on the SNY TV and said that it, 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 it quickly should it start. They've been living yeah. in my mentions. Here's the thing. I don't Uh-oh. care, and they can't spit on me. And if they do, just Ooh. let them know it's on. It's on on site. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, look, the, the the series might look different if Julius Randle is back, right? Like that's the thing that's missing for the Knicks. And if he's not back in Game Three, well, it's gonna it's can, gonna get rough for him. You guys, can we? You guys no, want to move on? Or one you got last more thing on on this series. Um, I want to see more Obi Toppin. Like he, like that, <laughs> yeah. he looked like, great. The, just the the energy <laughs> and like, you know, he was, he was shot out of a cannon. And he was, whether <laughs> whether he can do that in Atlanta, I don't know. But like, he he's looked good in both games. I thought. You know, no, he he definitely has. But you saw the rookie tendencies, he right? Didn't. Like he has to stay within him because there was the you know he he was feeling pretty good after the lob. Then it's like, cool, I'm going to drive down the lane and. Boom, charge. And I was charge, like, oh, that's yeah. that's that's the done for we're done with Obi tonight. But he's been he's been very were, good and was good defensively. What led to that lob, if you go back and watch those clips, was you know, he switches on to Horder, does a good job slowing him up, they switch him back off, and then when Horder drives, he comes in and gets that block, and then that leads to the lob. Like he's I'm with you, Seth. It's amazing. It just took us to get to the playoffs to find Obi Toppin playing pretty well. He he had a funny rookie moment where like he thought he was getting pulled. He looked at the, he looked at the scoreboard and he was like, "Oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out." And then they were like, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> Two minutes are up. So I'm I, go I sit appreciate on the bench. that he's able to earn. Some, yeah, he's able to earn some trust uh, in the playoffs. That's actually kind of cool to watch. I, I feel like we missed out on on what really could have been a really fun uh, Obi Toppin rookie season. It's hard with how good Randall. Uh, okay, how about Bucks Heat? You guys want to do Bucks Heat? Let's do it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. That's that. That's a series that, uh, look, to me it feels over. It, it's 2-0 bucks. And for some reason, people refuse, and I know what why this is, it's because of heat culture, but people refuse to stop believing in the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. And I would argue that those people haven't watched the first two games. You know, like they just haven't looked good. 
And it's a continuation of what we saw a lot of during regular season. It's, Am I wrong? All, all the other guys are are just not as good this year too. Like Tyler Harrell, right. we've we've talked about, and I think we collectively predicted how this year was going to go for Tyler Harrell. It was like everyone gassed him up, like for a couple for some really good games in the bubble last year, and he had second year slump, and now everyone thinks he's terrible. And it's like, hey, it's not Tyler Harrell's fault that you like got out over your skis and declared him an all star. For after two good games. So, but no, he hasn't been good this year. Dragic has been really good in the series, but he doesn't seem like Spolster thinks he can play 35 minutes. Uh, Duncan Robinson hasn't, isn't, hasn't had quite the season. Uh, Trevor Ariza is not Jay Crowder. Um, they don't have any other big bodies really that they trust. Uh, Dwayne Dedman showed a little bit in game two, but these are all things that are there just a little bit worse across the board. And then you toss in Bam and Jimmy not playing as well, and they're not close. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, to go just real quickly to the Tyler Hero thing. The other thing that doesn't get mentioned about his struggles is he didn't have an offseason, right? Like right. finish the, the finals in October, season started December, and you're and doesn't matter, young, old, or whatever, you go that far into the, the playoffs, and as weird of a year it was, you're going to take time off. You're not going to have him start getting right back in the lab November 1st, you know, and it's weird with all these dates there. Um, but the, in yeah. that, in, in that sense. So I think that also hampered his, his ability to really have a, a good second season, but you know, we always know the sophomore slump somewhere in there. The, the interesting thing, and it's, it's the, the Crowder part that's huge, right? That loss is looming so big and it's just such a big difference going from him to Ariza guarding Giannis. Giannis is blowing by him on the perimeter. Giannis is posting him up and running through him in the post. I'm almost at the point where, like, I understand why the Bucks are playing Lopez more than P.J. Tucker, and that's because it feels like the Heat are going to keep Bam on Lopez. But if I'm the Heat, I think I just make the switch, and, 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 and I'd rather you post up Brooke Lopez on Ariza, which might still be a bucket, but instead of letting Giannis get going, I almost would try to put Bam on, on, on Giannis here a little bit more and see how it goes. But this is a, a, a crazy series in the sense of Miami hit 23s in game one and lost, you know, and, and, and a close <laughs> one. And then, holy crap. The, the 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 Bucks saw that and were like, hold my beer in game two and went 15 threes in the first half. And, and Bryn Forbes is or Bryn Forbes is still throwing out fireballs right now. Yeah, no, I think I agree with everything you say. Uh, the what the one thing that I would be tempted to put Bam on Giannis is um, he's done a little more the back half of the season. But Bud has been very reticent to have. And this is something that that, you know, Eric name and I have talked about a lot. But Bud has been very reticent to. Oh, you're putting you're putting a small forward on Brook. Well, you know he's he's he he can score twenty a game, so we're gonna do that. And they <laughs> they've been reticent to do that. Um, so I would just you know ring that bell to see what happens at least. Yeah, you got to mix things up. You can't you can't go in. You're going you're home now. A down o two. You can't go out there and just think Ariza's all of a sudden gonna get stops. What about the the Heat offense? I don't think that they're generating the greatest looks. I mean, you know, Duncan Robinson in game one was just, I mean, blanketed and and hitting those shots like it was the bubble all over again. But I don't think that they were bending Milwaukee's defense all that much. They just made shots. Is there is there anything that you guys feel like they can do to, you know, work around how great Milwaukee's defense is? I mean, they don't have a weakness. 
It's put the ball in the thing. The only thing that's really worked is put the ball in Dragic's hands. It like, and some of that is I don't I don't know how much I don't know how much Holiday has been on Dragic, and that's sort of um, he he is such an interesting addition in this particular matchup, just because you it, it makes it harder to put some of the like switch some of the other guys onto Giannis. It makes it harder to put Butler on Giannis because then who guards who guards Holiday? Because he is he has been equally willing to bully guys inside and and you know that that big boy back down which you don't you Love don't it. see that much from point guards anymore. So on both ends of the floor, like he has just been in this matchup such a big, better chess piece than I mean it's like the pawn got all the way down the board and it's not a pawn right. it's a queen anymore now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just been the, the the big swing from Milwaukee side personnel wise. I hope our fans understand chess and. Understand that, and not, not and, and, and are <laughs> more a checkers fan. <laughs> Another thing that I thought Bud a good choice he made was Giannis on Jimmy Butler. I think that that has worked out really, really well, and we barely saw that last year. I think you know that might be one of the bigger differences. Jimmy's struggling with his shot, obviously, but he's been struggling with that jumper for a while. It's the stuff inside that I think Giannis is making tougher, and he's. Not letting Jimmy live at the free throw line, yeah, which is which has been huge. I mean, the Bucks in general defensively have done a good job. If you're Miami, you got to get besides Dragic, you got to just get the movement again. You know, we're not seeing the back cuts as much. We're not seeing it flow as easily as it is. It's almost like they they try one back cut, don't get anything. Okay, panic time. You know, it's 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 one of those things where we we were talking so much about how well they moved last season and things like that. I loved it. It was so fun to watch. And I don't see that as much, you know, when I'm when I'm watching. I'll see it here and there and be like, oh, there we go. Um, but it's not as much. And I think part of it is like people know about Duncan Robinson a little bit better and have a better view of the scouting reports a little little tighter defensively on that side. You know, they're going to force Bam to they're going to live with a Bam mid ranger, you know, and and, and, and and drop back a little bit. And that might open up the chances for. Duncan to come off of a DHO, but they're chasing better. It's it's just one of those things where it, I hate to say it, I just think they got to do their they got to get back to doing their stuff and do it better than they were before. Do you guys give them any chance to to win this series? Oh. I, I think it, I think it's over. It should be a sweep, and I wonder if Milwaukee is kind of taking this personally and really gunning for a sweep. I don't. And that's just you know I'm projecting there. Yeah, I don't think I, it'll be a sweep just in the sense of. You know, there's a lot of pride with Miami. I just don't know if they. I think they get one game. If I had to guess, they get game three, and then and probably then, and then, get a game, and then Milwaukee wins the next two. Would be my guess. Yeah, I mean it's the NBA, right? Like there, there really aren't aren't that many sweeps. So, uh, you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion, and I'm Shea Serrano, and we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies, Woo! and it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, well, I guess let's move on to the next series. And, and this one's, guys, I know this is a boring series, but the, the Clippers and Mavericks. Um, boring? We have to boring? talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so Luka Doncic is the best player in this series. I think that's pretty, not that he has been the best, but he is the best. Like, not just has played the best in, in these two games, but I think it's safe to say after what we've seen this year, uh, Luka is the best guy in this series and he's playing like it. And that's the, the crazy thing is, is Kawhi's playing really well. Yeah. I like, know he is. They're getting yeah, outplayed no, they're, by they're, this other they're, guy. I mean, they're getting all they need from Kawhi and, and Paul George. Um, and it, it's, it doesn't matter so far. Part of that is Dallas has made, I don't want to say literally every shot, but they've made a lot of shots. And that's been a big part of it. But nobody else on the Clippers is doing anything. And it's, and part of that is that's the the thing that makes Luca better than those two is he is making the other guys better. He's he's getting he he's creating spots. It, it's it's they're getting everything from those guys on the offensive end. They're not getting em- enough on the defensive end. Like when you just look at the stuff, like Luca bullied Kawhi into a post up. And pulled up for a, uh, uh, it pulled up for a, 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 you know, banged it, backed him down, excuse me, backed him down and then jumped into a fadeaway and got a bucket. Like he's finishing over Kawhi. I haven't seen a lot of PG on him, but he's hunting matchups. Patrick Beverly has been toast in the second game. Uh, and, and he crushed Zubach in the first game. Like my thing is, they're getting everything they need offensively from Kawhi and from PG. Like you can't really blame them on that end, but on the defensive end, I'm just stunned. Like this is the whole thing was this team was supposed to be an unbelievable defensive team and they're getting their asses kicked. They're, they're not playing defense at all. They're completely disconnected. It looks like there's no communication happening whatsoever and they're over committing. All the time. I mean, it's it just Dallas has got them running around chasing their tail half the time. Well, Luca has. 
And then they're giving up these soft switches, which Mo like drives me nuts. You, know, <laughs> you and I have just me absolutely nuts. I lose my mind when I watch this shit happen, and I just don't understand it. No one will fight over a screen. It's like okay, so we literally are just not guarding Luca. Uh, with anyone except for the guy that he wants to guard him, and, and whether that's Zubats or whether that's Patrick Beverly or whatever, he is just feasting. I just want to go on a little rant here because, and I think I've done this before, but it feels like it needs to be said again. The floor is yours. This is where the Warriors ruined basketball, right? They had the most amazing switch defense, and it's a copycat league, so now everybody switches, right? And it's and and the thing is, there's a massive difference. From switching from Clay Thompson to Andre Iguodala to Draymond Green to switching from Kawhi Leonard to Patrick Beverly to Avisa Zubac, massively different. If you don't have these, but guys, also the way. But, but no, no, I, I'm with. I'm, don't interrupt the rant, Dave. Let me keep my stuff going. It's just a massively different level of talent. And then when you do switch, you're not even switching well. I did a whole one mo thing video on this of the do's and don'ts. You can watch these dudes switch. You got to come together when you're going to switch. If you're going to switch, one of the guys has got to drop to take away the slip. And the other guy's got to be up to take the, the guy coming to him. It's just as, but it's amazing watching this. It's literally just like, eh, okay, you go. Screen's coming. Okay, I'm going to switch here. You know, it's the dumbest thing and it's really becoming such a massive problem when you're watching basketball i'm almost at a point where like if i was coaching i'd just be like screw it we're a no switch team we're we're you all need the clippers the clippers are are the guy that just wants to play zone and pick up right like they they (laughs) just their switching is so lazy they're they don't make contact with the screen like there, there is no effort there and and you can see like Dallas knows this, so they're – I mean the screens that they're setting are not really screens. They're just, all right, I'm going to just walk this way and I know that you're going to come along with me. And then the other thing – There's no – well, there's no struggle. The, the other thing too, and this He's is what Dallas there. and a lot of teams are doing well with this the, – the counter to all the switching is the ghost screen, right? The guy's coming to set the screen and then all of a sudden darts away and because you thought you were switching – Oh crap! Now I'm behind, and then the other guy thought he was switching, and, and somebody left the ball. Like it's 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 one of those things. I just think teams have become way too reliant on switching. They don't do it well. They don't have the proper personnel to do it. We got to remember that Warriors team defensively, you could switch two through five, and you were in good shape. You know that was that was the beauty of the team, not what they did offensively. And I think that's the the ultimate. Um, thing I think that gets lost with these teams now. You see it so much in the playoffs. I also, beyond like everything Mo said, which is correct, my, my almost bigger problem is they haven't really sussed out how Luca beats you. Right? He wants to survey, get in the middle of the floor, make plays, shoot step backs, you know, use be use his his big body to kind of, you know, put guys in jail and kind of saunter to the basket. What he doesn't want to do is have to blow by someone to the hoop and finish over, you know, finish. And they're, but they're by giving up these switches, by letting him just like size up Zubach by, you know, like doing soft doubles anytime that, 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 that the Clippers, uh, anytime that, that Mav set like a, a high ball screen, they're just letting him use his talents. Like, especially on a long series, okay, Luca's going to have to go to the basket and finish 25 times. 
And if he does that well this game, he's going to have to do it well next game. And I'm going to say by game five, he's going to have no legs left. But they're just letting him – either letting him be the biggest guy on the floor, surveying the floor, shooting little step backs and pinging passes all over the floor. And it's just – it's – it's it, this was just something that bugged me about the first the first New York's defense in the first game is they, it doesn't seem like they had a plan for who, who they were playing, the specific guy they were going up against. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the playoffs. You get to do that then. That's when you're this – is, this is the whole point. This is what we talk about, playoff planning is when you lock in on a specific guy. Let me take stuff away from you. This is one of those things. And it drives me nuts because Ty Lue is a good coach. You know, these are good players who have a defensive rep that are that, that's deserved for the most part. But when you're doing things where like when Beverly's switching and then opening up and, and allowing Luca to just drive down the lane, like, what are you doing? Made no sense. Now, all right, I'm going to – I just want to say – Dallas and their role players are shooting the lights out. Okay. So they are, they're winning games that they have to win. You can't waste games like that from role players. Like we mentioned with Miami, you just can't, right? You got to win those games. Now I still think that this could go seven. It's all about the Clippers at this point. Like, can they shoot and can they get these guys to miss shots? Can they defend Luca at all? Right. And I think that they can, it's just that they haven't losing those first two games. I sit here and I've watched the tape again from game two and I start thinking, okay, well, this Clippers team, maybe they're just not as good as we thought they were. Maybe they can't get this to seven. Where do you guys land on this, like your feelings about the Clippers? Like, are they who they, who you thought they were or are they worse? And now we're seeing the warts. So this is something I, I, I had a little thread on this on Twitter uh, yesterday or Wednesday, I guess since this is being listened to on Friday. Um, there's, there's depth is a, is a funny thing because, uh, and this how I put it is there's sort of a line of good enough for the playoffs, and if guys are above that line, you have options. If they're below that line, you have questions. What we're finding out is the Clippers have a lot of questions and not a lot of options. Yeah, and the big issue too that we didn't really talk about with the Clippers, and I want to get back to the role players in a second, Dave, with the Mavs. But also Serge Ibaka, if he's only able to play five or six games, they're going to have a lot of problems. The the role players, Dave, you're right. They're shooting it well. But the other thing they're doing well out of those soft doubles is making the next pass. You know, I, it, it was either Tim Hardaway or Dorian Finney-Smith who got it off of a double and then found Luka down there for a big dunk. Like there's they're, they're making that next pass, which is something we I wasn't sure these guys could really do. Um and and, yeah. and that just makes it even harder to be able to to, to mm-hmm. double on on Luca in that sense. To your question, I'm hurt. I thought this team had learned from last season. I had been screaming, <laughs> "Chemistry, guys, you got to work." I thought they listened to me, Dave. I'm hurt and offended now. <laughs> um, it's just it, it's just like it just goes to this, you know. Everybody, we criticized them for resting those guys those last two games. I actually didn't. I was like, I get it. I understand it. By all means, do it. But the other thing, too, is though, you also need to get these guys on the court together. You know, and and, and it's just, this is now two years of load management. Two years of this. And now you just see, as you were saying, the defense is disconnected. Do you know how you get connected on defense? By freaking playing together. Play together. That's how you do yeah, it. It's not. I, I say this all the time, and I, I mean, Mo, you and I talk about this. Basketball really is not 
all that complicated when you boil it down to the basic principles and they're not doing the basic stuff. Because they don't know them. They don't know their basic principles of the team. And everybody has their own thing because now they're each kind of trying to do their own thing at this point. And the other thing, and this is, I'm, I'm railing on the Clippers today. Wow. I, I see. Clearly. The other thing too is you better show a level of urgency in game three. You better come out. And I don't care. It's going to be a packed house. Paul George says there's no pressure. Well, he says you got to rise to the occasion and then there's no level of concern in the same sentence, which again, makes no sense. But you got to come out and smack Dallas in the mouth in in their home arena with the crowd. And you got to do it all game long. The first five minutes of game three are the most important five minutes of the Clippers season, I think. No, season's on You're the line. right. Season's on the line. If they come You've out- got to come out. Take that crowd out of it. I mean, 15,000 people. You got to take that crowd out of it. You got to put the Mavs on their asses. I mean, you need a lead. Like in five minutes, you you should be up 15 points. That's how the Clippers should come out. And I just don't know if they've got that gear because we haven't seen it. It's going. I mean, they have the talent to do that. That's the one thing we know. They have the talent to do that. Whether they will is a whole different story. And that's been the biggest, that's what's so frustrating about this team. You look at the roster, you look at them on paper going like, all right, y'all should be pretty good. I had them going to the Western Conference Finals. This is like, I'm watching this and just going like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? Do you trust them to win four out of five against the Mavs? No. Yeah, I I don't think so Because here's the thing. I feel like Luka's going to still have another game. At least one more where he's just going to go completely off. That's this is the other thing, and we've every game he's played in the playoffs has been another Luca game. Like, every single we one. haven't even really, but like we haven't even really talked about just him and his ascension. Right. As a like, yeah. this is anybody that's looking at it and and watching Luca is saying like, yo, that's the superstar. You started the segment saying he's the been the best player in this series. He's ascending to being every time he's going to go into a series, going like, this is the best player on the the floor like that's the ascension we're seeing in Luca and I think that's the 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 stuff that is kind of getting undercut by the story of how bad the Clippers have been is just how great Luca has been yeah and and then I think Porzingis Seth offensively has been better um defensively he's still moving around not looking great um, but he is operating in space offensively and creating looks not only for himself, but for the other guys. There was a great play uh, down the stretch where he was working the corner to the dunker spot, trying to get space and, and keep the defense honest. And he got a dunk out of it. And it was all because of him freelancing down there. And that's the kind of stuff they need him to keep doing that. No, I think you, the, him, his effectiveness as a cutter has been has been uh, a really nice touch the series. I mean, it's a 7-3 guy catching the ball, <laughs> you know, at the circle. Like that's going to be a finish. So, yeah, no, and I think that's that's sort of the 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 benefit you get when these guys are getting to the nail. And whoever it is, whether it's Brunson or Hardaway or Finney Smith, uh they're they're getting they're they're getting to the nail off of those double teams and then they're just like, "Oh, no. Okay, Dunker Porzingis is covered, so it's the slot 3 is open." And they're just like you know they they're they're getting these four on threes kind of the same way Draymond used to when like Steph would get doubled in a pick and roll obviously they're not doing it the same way but it's the same kind of thing it's like oh we have a half court fast break so we're going to get a good shot yeah um okay guys uh Lakers Suns this 
<laughs> I'm not going to say it's been disappointing because it's been fun to watch just because it's a rock fight, but it is a rock fight. These guys can't shoot. Everyone's hurt. Chris Paul, I mean, can what take two dribbles, I guess, in game two he was up to. Uh, LeBron still can't attack. Anthony Davis looked aggressive in game two. That was a, a nice change. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has been awesome so far in this series, I think. Um, but ultimately, at 1-1, I unfortunately think this series is going to wind up coming down to Chris Paul being hurt. And that sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's also waters wet. We're in the playoffs and Chris Paul gets hurt. I mean, it's um, – no, that's – that was, that was me being mean. Sorry, folks. Um, yeah. I, I got, that's a bummer, I got man. Grumpy quickly. It was that. such a freak – it was such a freak injury, you know, and – it, I didn't even see what really happened, but it was obvious to me. Like he, he looked like he can't feel his fingers he's, the he's, way he's like handling the ball. He threw a pass to Cameron Payne, and and Payne made the shot and it, it tied the game. But the pass he threw to Payne, if you go back and watch it to see it, it bounces three times before he gets to it. Like it, he it like rolls to him, and I'm just like, oh wow! Like I only caught it on like the the rewatch because it was such a big shot, and I was like, oh wow! Like he can't do anything it's bad i mean pulled himself in crunch time right like so him sitting in crunch time that lets us know going forward okay this is this must be worse than it it seems and it seems really bad because god he can't do anything yeah i've never seen him have you know you could see it at the second in the second half of game one where like he's you know he is he's an all-time prevent turnovers guy and he, because he's got he's got such a, a a good controlled tight handle, and it's like he it's like he's he's dribbling the ball with a, with a frying pan. And oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, so that's it's and it's too bad because, like you said, Aiton has been really good. Devin Booker looked like he's ready for this, and then it's just like because uh, I mean, it, 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 they're they're Chris Paul short. Yeah. Unfortunately, I still don't think even with the healthy Chris Paul, they would have won the series. I'm, I'm, I'm just going out there and, and going to say that that overall as the time would have won on. I will be very interested to see what DeAndre Ayton does on the road. Granted, it won't be as loud as it was in Phoenix because sure. California and L.A. has still much more restrictions on those things. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how that stuff goes. The other thing is Mikel Bridges hasn't shot it well. Crowder right. hasn't shot it well like that. Those are genuine problems for Phoenix because those guys were knocking down shots. And I just think with LeBron, it's just ramping up. Like I think if the series, I don't think the series is going to go that long because of Chris being hurt. But if it did yeah. go long, I just feel like LeBron was just going to start getting going. I feel like Davis has found the 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 energy in which he needs to play after that terrible game one with how he showed up in game two. Super aggressive. Obviously, we'll see tonight and everybody will yell at our comments tomorrow, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whether exactly. we're right or wrong. But I just think there's a, a level of, of confidence a bit more with the Lakers. Now, had Phoenix won that game, then I would have been like, this might be over. And and I would have been worried. But with, with everything that's coming down to it, and if everybody is healthy the rest of the way, I think it's going to be the Lakers pulling it out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just don't know how much you can unpack on this series just because of the Chris Paul injury. Like, it's that, it's that big of a deal. Uh, Seth, LeBron still doesn't look right. 
but he is being aggressive about finding other guys. I like I like how they're getting him in that mid post and letting him just camp and uh, find find cutters and shooters. Guys are not making shots at all, though. You, would you stick with that, or do you, do you think maybe let's try LeBron? Hey, let's taking let's, some let's, shots. Uh, let, let, let's let's <laughs> go back to the let's go back to the 2015 finals where LeBron pounds the, pounds the ball to dust and. My, <laughs> That's my favorite individual finals performance ever. Yeah, I know. It's funny because he was, was, he LeBron was, James he was so inefficient in that series and he should have been the MVP even though they lost the series. Um, yep. Anyway, that's that's not here. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, I think the bigger problem is, is you know, they got they got good AD in, in, in game two and that's that's the that's the bigger thing. Like, you know, him, he's got to make some jump shots. The problem is – if LeBron's in the post or Andre Drummond's in the game, then AD has to make jump shots. And some of their best stuff the last two years has been, you know, you open up the middle and then then that like that that pinch post to AD it doesn't have to be a jump shot. But with Drummond in the game, or it, it does. Um, and so I, maybe maybe a little more Mark, Mark Gasol, but no. I mean, I think that you know, I think LeBron knows the way this series is going to go, and he's going to. He's gonna squeeze it like Thanos and snap his fingers, and half the suns will disappear, and and we'll move on to the next round. Yeah, I think there's still gonna be some stuff with with Drummond and Davis. So I think putting Drummond in the in the dunker spot and things like that. I'm I'm not totally convinced right now. It has to be all just jump shots for AD and with Drummond in the game. But I think we're going to see more Mark Gasol. I think we're we're not gonna see any more Montrez Harrell in this theory, uh, series. I think that's because it's a whole different thing. The other thing that Gasol does that neither of these other big guys do is he allows guys to cut and he'll find them. And that's a big thing for them because they need to get Kyle Kuzma going here offensively a little bit. Caruso is going to cut and he's going to hustle his his butt off on, on, on defense. And he's been pretty good there. They need to get KCP going from three again. Remember, they started out a little shaky from three in that first series against Portland. And I think that's almost like the Lakers MO, right? Like we don't have enough shooting, but we'll still beat you kind of deal uh, because the the big guy. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out as they go through this. But this is just going to be the, the, the way their every playoff series is going to go with them, right? Vogel's going to see who he can play in the first two games. And then he's going to bench the guys he has to the rest of the series. And I think that's the yeah. that's that's kind of the way it went. And when you look at game one and two, he saw he couldn't play Trez. Game two, game two, he saw he could play Gasol. That's our that's that's what we're rolling with. You know who they missed, Dave? Danny Green. Listen, Danny Green. I'm just telling you, if you're trying to win a championship, you hang on to Danny Green. And uh, all right, let's talk Blazers Nuggets, okay? Because this I, this is a series where I think we're going to see a lot of adjustments between every single game. Big adjustment for the Nuggets between game one and game two. And they made one, Mo, defensively, I thought that it took them a little bit long to get there. They they threw out Shaq Harrison to try to slow down Dame. It kind of worked. And then coming out of halftime, Aaron Gordon, primary defender on Damian Lillard, which is what I was waiting for. I actually thought they might start the series there because they just don't have any guards. Everyone is my height. Everybody's 5'9" out there trying to guard Damian Lillard, and that is not going to work. Yeah, but when you have one bullet, you don't shoot it the first – you know, you don't make that move right away. I think that's the ultimate thing. You want to try to skate as long as you can because you know once you make that move, 
the other team's going to adjust. And now it's going to be fascinating to watch what Portland does offensively. I think we're going to see Dame work a lot more with coming off a screen and then a DHO. I think we're going to see him off ball to, to go get the ball type of instances and, and make Gordon chase a lot more and, and things like that. So that'll be interesting on that end of the court. But it's this. you're right. This series, every game is going to be adjustment, adjustment, adjustment. And how do you how how do the other teams react to it? We saw what the the Blazers did in Game One. Hey, we're not going to double Jokic. We're just going to stick with with Nurkic on him. We're gonna we're gonna stay home on everybody else. And then, you know, it, 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 Jokic kind of fell into a ton of post ups in that Game One. When you go look at Game Two, moving around, moving Jokic around, getting him into the high post, getting set in cross screens where he comes up into the high post area, and now it's a different game for him. Whole different deal for for Jokic in that scenario as our future MVP will be announced at some point. I'm just predicting it. I don't have any inside information, but you know, um, wow. Just tweet it. Like, like you've got inside information. Well, I, we all know I, it's going to happen. It every, so I'll just, gotta, just tweet it every day. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, uh, <laughs> but I think that adjustment on that end, now the Blazers have to figure out how they're going to counter that. Right. Just being able to, to, Stay home with Jokic on the po- in the post works great. With him at the the high post, extremely difficult because now you can see a lot more. Well, here's the problem with that though: is that you have an instance like you had in Game Two, Nurkic in foul trouble and then foul fouls out, and they can't do anything without Nurkic. I mean, Nurkic played the Nuggets to a standstill. You know, they were zero, basically even in his minutes, and then Cantor comes in, and you know you can't play Cantor. We already know that. Uh, what do you go to? If you if you have to pull Nurkic out of the game or if he's in foul trouble like this is that to me, that battle there of and it sounds dumb because I'm talking about the MVP. It's more about Nurkic, I think, because Nurkic is is the linchpin of any sort of defensive effort you get from Portland. Like They need him and he's important on offense. And, and with Jokic being able to attack him like he did in game two, uh, you were mentioning getting on the move. Jokic on the move draws fouls. Jokic in the post draws fouls. And he, I mean, he put him out of the game. So how do they counteract that? So I, I just don't know that they have an option. You go to Derek Jones Jr. and hope, hey, we've got a little bit more athleticism. Is Robert Covington on Jokic? Is that is that the answer? I, I don't know. No, that that's a great question. Like, honestly, like, I mean, this is this is gonna sound crazy, but like Norman Powell might be just like if he's gonna, unless he's gonna just like sit in the post, like that's probably the strongest guy they have in their rotation. Like aside from, but he'll shoot over him. That's the only thing. No, but then that's when you got to double. Then <laughs> yeah. you got to double in that instance. And then it's like, now you better hope your rotations are sharp. And having seen the fact that Portland was one of the worst defensive teams this year. But, but you, scares you, me. okay, your rotations, but then you look around and this is where, you know, Denver's kind of, you know, okay, you, you're in rotation and then the shot goes to Facundo Campazzo or Austin Rivers or right. Aaron Gordon. Like as long as it's not that. Michael Porter Jr., like you don't love giving those shot out, shots up, but, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of what's the least bad thing that we can we can get them into. Because but it's not so much it's not so much the shot as much as they will cut. Yeah. They will open up cutting lanes. Yeah. And that's when Denver gets to cook. You know, because so, then it opens up. Because then Porter's guy is going to go with the cutter. Jokic is going to find the uh, uh, find Porter for the the three. That's but that's an area where Covington can actually help because he's he's a good help defender in that situation. He can't be like. 
the primary defender on the other team's best player. He's he's a very good help defender. So, like, this is obviously a lot of moving parts here, but these are two kind of imperfect teams that are trying to to solve yeah. problems. And and frankly, like, Portland's problems are, I don't, they're what you do to solve them is is more straightforward. Um, you just you you put you know Shaq Harrison and Aaron Gordon on on Dave, like that's what that's what, and you and then you you hope that slows him down enough, but and it might not work. But like trying to figure out how to plan for Jokic is just so challenging because of his versatility. Yeah, uh, it, it is definitely a little bit more of a difficult task. And, and I wonder what this series looks like if Will Barton is healthy, because I, I think that it's not much of a series at all. If they have one more NBA starting caliber guard, you know, they, Monte Morris was great in game two. They played 30 minutes. I, I think if, if Will Barton can be available, he's not going to be available for game three, but if he's out there for game four, I mean, I really like Denver the rest of the way in the, in this series. I'm thinking Mo. I mean, he just adds another defender, that long, lanky guy they could put on the court, another guy that can knows how to play off of Jokic with everything that they do. I think that's um, a big thing. I mean, that was the problem with, with Denver coming into the series. Besides Murray, it was Barton was her uh, Dozier, which, I mean, all of a sudden you're like, wow, P.J. Dozier matters. Like, no, it matters a ton. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in this series, like you're like, this is a big deal um, because you, uh, we, we alluded to it. Composo can be nice, uh, feisty, and annoying in that sense, but he can't stop Dame. You know, it's it's just it's just not there. Uh, you know, Austin Rivers is always going to be a lot of fight and 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 things like that. But come on, man, there's a reason why he's been on like so many teams around the league at this point. You know, it's 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 just the way it works. And I think you know, Will Barton does change the game and the game plan for both teams. And how they attack and, and 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 what they can do. So, you know, if they do get him back in Game Four, it's if listen, if Denver wins tonight and then they get Barton back in Game Four, this thing's going to be a big problem over. for Denver. I mean, for Portland, excuse me. Yeah, uh, Utah, Memphis. This is um, this very interesting series. I think uh, John Morant has arrived. It's safe to say this is pretty pretty insane. First two playoff games for a guy. How the heck do Utah guard him? Like, how how do they guard that guy? Does it matter? I, no, I think Utah's going to win the series. I think this this is this is more worrisome about what it says about Utah's perimeter defense than than them being in special danger this series. Like, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and lost by three in game in 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 game one. Um, I, I, I don't think Denver has a lot of defensive answers for them. Um, but it's, 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 you know, their defense is based on, okay, our perimeter guys can be really aggressive and shut some stuff down because we got Rudy behind us. And this, they've got a guy who's just torching them so bad, anyone they want to put on him, that it's, it, it, it almost doesn't matter that you have Rudy behind them. And there are other guys who can do that. In, in the West, maybe not as quite the same way as job, but that's a real concern. And considering that's been the concern we've had all along with Utah is how do we stop the dude? And, you know, a guy who is becoming the dude is just tearing them to pieces. 
And if they catch Luca in the next round, what's that going to look like? Oh, fun. That's what it's going to look like. Good it's Lord. going to be fun. Oh you know, um, you know, <laughs> that's going to be fun. The, the, the thing about the series to me is just the amount of point paints the jazz are giving up in this series. You know, I, 62, I think, yeah. in both games, you know, like Morant is just getting into the point. And as Seth was saying, you know, you, you, everybody's saying like, oh, I have Rudy behind him. It hasn't mattered. You know, like he's been able to get in there and it's not just him. Dylan Brooks has been able to get into the paint pretty easily. And from that, they're able to do all sorts of other things. And and my thing is like, if you're Utah, I'm like, man, look at their shooters. Pack the freaking paint. You know, almost like go zone. Like, what are you like? I, I'm just like, just make it so that they can't 62 points. Like, it's just I don't understand. Like, make it difficult for them to get into the lane and uh, crowd it. Every time John Morant's coming into the paint, he's got to see three guys. He's got to go through three guys, got to go through Connolly, Joe Ingles, and then deal with Rudy Gobert. There was a clip where uh, somebody said a ghost screen. I think it was Kyle Anderson. And you just saw in the angle TNT had the lane open wide up. And now John Morant gets to attack Rudy Gobert with a runway. And listen, man, it was one of two. The first time he tried to get Rudy, he got rejected. The second time, Rudy didn't recover. Rudy wasn't ready quick enough, and 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 Morant got the dunk. He didn't dunk on him as badly as he would have on the first one, which would have had me running around the house like a crazy man. But the whole deal was, you got to make it so that he sees. We talk about building a wall. He's got to see a lot of guys on his way to the paint. They don't have the shooters that should worry you. Desmond Bain might be their best shooter. Like, what's how many guys are you really worried about on Memphis's team as shooters? Yeah, I mean Grayson Allen, uh, but when he's out there, but he does so many other things that are bad. Like you almost want him on the court. Um, look, Utah is a better team than Memphis. Memphis punched him in the mouth in Game One, and Utah couldn't buy a shot. That's the story there. I will say though that Memphis is playing tough. Like this is not they're not pushovers. That's a playoff team, and they're playing really, really hard. They're going to be really good, although I don't know, you know, we could talk about this during the summer, like high-end talent. I don't know that they've got a ton of, but they've got a lot of really good well, they players. Got the, they've got the and most so they're important be, part, though. I think that's, you know, that's exactly you, the, I, uh, anything else that happens. I, I have to I think this is postseason, like going from the play-in to now has been a success for Memphis, regardless Absolutely. of what else happens. Agreed. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Huge. And, and, and here's the other thing. Jaron Jackson still doesn't look right. You know, coming from the, right. the the meniscus tear and things like that, and and came back late into the season. Like they're, I'm excited for them in their future, and 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 I know we'll get into it in the off season. But listen, man, Morant's a freaking star. I know. Uh, well, so it, let's go back to Utah. Um, Donovan Mitchell came back in Game Two. They were missing that dude. Big time. He slid everyone back to where they needed to be in the pecking order. He had a great game. I, I thought he looked pretty good until the end where, you know, kind of landed on his butt pretty hard and then was was limping a little bit. Uh, how do you guys feel like, you know, is that a good sign that, that he was able to come back and play so well right away? How do you guys feel I mean, about it? I think it? They, they obviously need him going forward. I think that there's a little bit of of correlation causation thing about their offense. With I mean, they they – you know, George Nying is a very good shooter who went one for six on open shots in 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 game one, and and just up and down, guys just missing open shots, and you know some of that is is Memphis is credit to Memphis for for you know making the game a little chippy, 
But this is this is a team that's offense is built on Rudy rolling to the rim and everyone else being a forty percent three point shooter. That didn't just go away all of a sudden because they're because one guy is out. Like they're still getting the shots they wanted. So I it is good that he came back and and looked good. I don't think that's a key to this series. I mean, for me, the 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 real key of the game too was Mike Connolly and Rudy Gobert connection all game long. You know, and I I just think like they were better, and they got Jonas Valanciunas in foul trouble early. Like the battle between Rudy and Jonas in terms of who's going to get pick up the second foul quickest in the first quarter is a is a real thing. Um, but like that opened up things and that allowed everything else to happen from there, you know, because like we've said, that's Utah's offense. But Connolly was great and off the pick and roll, finding Rudy, finding the other guys as if the defense collapsed on him. I think he had, what, 14 assists in game two? I think that's, 15. that's the that's the, the level you're looking for from this team. That's the Jazz offense. They just missed shots in, in game one and almost still won it. You know, it was a, right. a, a, a shot to tie it at the end. So, you know, I think it was uh, a big thing. One thing about the Donovan Mitchell part where, where I think everybody's kind of killing the Jazz for like pulling him out at the last second. And I understand that one small calculus I think nobody is talking about that I think teams look at more often than everybody else is. They looked at it and said, OK, we play him game one, two days to recover and then play game two. Hopefully it'll work out. But their calculus was like, but if he gets three days of rest going into game two, maybe it's better. Now, did they handle it well? Probably not. Doesn't seem like it in how they dealt with all of this. But I think that's that's a small calculus. I just wanted to make sure kind of got mentioned with with the Mitchell stuff. But I think they win the series. That story goes away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's actually an important distinction to make. In, in the whole thing is that, look, man, the, these guys, the training staff is is tasked with thinking about the guy not only in that game, but also the rest of the playoffs, the rest of his contract, maybe even the rest of his career. I mean, with the way that Utah handles injuries, they've they've been pretty conservative traditionally. So, you know, I have no problem with the with the training staff. As a matter of fact, I think that your training staff is doing their job when they're able to say, hey, you're going to miss, you're our superstar and you're going to miss game one of the playoffs, we're putting our foot down because we don't think you're right. That's that's a good thing. I think the players should be, you know, they should respect that and know that these people actually have their best interests in mind. I know it's tough to say because well, I'm not the guy being told I can't play. The, 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 I would probably have felt the same way. I get no, it. The, the players definitely will always want to play, especially in the playoffs, biggest moment. And and there's a small narrative going around like, well, the Jazz training staff was upset because uh, Donovan trained with his own guy or rehabbed with his own guy in this instance and things like that. Let me just tell you, that's somebody that's not really dealt with a lot of trainers. Like when it comes to the team and in that instance, I've never experienced it. And I've been around it where guys had their own guys and the, and, and the teams just, they, they all work together. They understand this is how sometimes it's too many people trying to make a decision. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, the decision does fall on the jazz trainer and, and, and that stuff. But I don't think, I think it's unfair when people say like, Oh, it was a jealousy thing or something like that. I'm like, that's, that's just really making this more simplistic than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, what, it's one final point on that, especially with something like an, like an ankle injury. Like 
you know, not knowing what they found, but I would think that something like finding an imbalance, like a, like, like, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that, that my understanding is, you know, that's the kind of, you, you play where, okay, one, one leg isn't quite working right. That's how you get further injuries. And, and, and so, yeah, like being a little bit careful with that. And we don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's some, there's a knee thing going on that an ankle thing might aggregate, mm. aggregate, aggravate. All right. Uh, okay. Before we go, um, what are you guys looking at for the next week? I mean, uh, for me, I I'm watching Luca like everybody else. I think that this is, this is sort of the story of the first round of the playoffs is that this guy looks like he's here. It's weird. He's, I don't remember this from from like LeBron. Like I don't remember the moment I was like, oh, oh, that guy I, is, is there. When was that? Seven Detroit series. Two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah, that was that was yeah. it. That that run in that that game um, where he just dominated. But uh, yeah, Luca's here. I felt like Luca was here with the game winner last season in the playoffs. I felt like okay, Luca's here. Um, in terms of what I'm looking for this week, uh, I will be looking forward to the Badminton World Championship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, just, just kidding. I just, I'm excited for the adjustments, man. I think after sometimes coaches wait till after game two to really start making their adjustments because you have that situation where, like, look, we had our game plan in game one, we didn't run it, so we don't know if it works or not, you know. And you, you, you try to go back to some of that stuff. So I'll be game three and four is really where we get heavy into. Uh, not just like on the court adjustments, but rotation adjustments, who can play, who can't play and things like that. So that's the stuff I'll be looking for in all these series. Yeah. I, I have to say that the, the, the Dallas Clippers series is probably the one that is, that has at this point the most intrigue, like Atlanta, New York is going to like, we don't have a good sense of who's going to win that series, but does, do either of those teams really scare Philly? No way. I think Atlanta could be interesting for Atlanta. Maybe. Atlanta could be pretty fun for Philly, you know, and, and they have a history of kind of beating, winning a couple of games against Philly throughout the regular season. I think it gets interesting. It'll be very fun to watch Matisse Dybul chase Trey Young, though. Yeah, the matchups, the matchups in the second round are going to be a lot of fun, but. All right. Well, I guess that's it for today's show, folks. We'll be back next week with another episode of Nerder She Wrote right here on the Athletic NBA Show. Till then, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. We'll talk to you guys next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.